0: Kabbalah and the psychology of the soul taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky it's only through sacrifice that you truly see that a Jew has a relationship with Hashem the only way we can truly relate to Hashem is only through sacrifice because what is a relationship? a relationship is a two-way street If Hashem gives and we receive, it's not a real relationship. Hashem gives and we receive. That's what Avram Avinu represents. Avram Avinu represents receiving, acknowledging, being grateful, being thankful for Hashem, recognizing everything we have comes from Hashem, realizing that Hashem is doing a kindness. Everything we have is a gratuitous kindness from Hashem. He doesn't know it's a thing and He gives us life and He gives us health and He gives us a spouse and He gives us children and He gives us whatever He gives us. And we're grateful and thankful, we receive it and we acknowledge it and recognize it. And in turn, we become godly and we also become givers. Whatever Hashem gives us, we share with others because we become godly. Just like Hashem gives us gratuitously, we in turn, Avram opened his home, opened his tent. Whatever Hashem gave him, he shared. His wisdom, his time, his wealth. Everything he had, he shared because he recognized that Hashem gives and we receive. But that's not what a relationship is. A true relationship really begins with Yitzchak the first marriage in the Torah we find is Yitzchak's marriage because that's a real relationship a real relationship is when it's a two way street not just God gives and we receive but Hashem gives and we also give we give back it's a two way street we want to give something to Hashem not only are we grateful that we receive we want to give something to Hashem what can we give to Hashem when we owe nothing we have nothing Avraham Avinu recognized whatever we have belongs to Hashem. If we have looks, if we have energy, if we have talents, if we have a success, whatever we have it really belongs to Hashem. So honestly speaking, what do we have to give? We don't have anything. The only thing we have to give, the only thing that we possess that's truly ours, is sacrifice. When we sacrifice also, and we do something that's difficult for us to do, only for the sake of Hashem, that's an offering that we can offer to Hashem. It belongs to us. It's ours. (laughs) When you do something that's difficult for you to do, and you have to exert yourself, it's yours. You own it. That's truly yours. Like the famous story, Moses Montefiore was very friendly with the Queen of England. She asked him, tell me, Moses, what's what's your real worth? This was before the Forbes 400. So... There's no way to assess a person's values. He says, he says, give me a week, I'll come back to you. A week later, he comes back with a number. The queen says, wait a minute. Even I know, without knowing anything, that investigation, that's, you're worth a lot more. He says, your majesty, you don't understand. This is all the money I gave to charity. He says, everything else, do I really own it? Today I can have it, tomorrow I can lose it. The stock market crashes, and one moment, half of my wealth is wiped out. But this, I own. No one could ever take away from it. What I gave to tzedakah, I reached into my pocket and I gave a piece of myself. That's mine forever. That I possess. That I truly own. When a person sacrifices, when a person exerts effort, when a person puts in effort, when you study Torah and it's difficult, you have to really understand it and really tax when it taxes you. And it stretches you. And you have to push yourself you're exhausted, you're tired, and you push yourself, and you go that extra mile, and you do that extra mitzvah, and you push yourself to do another favor, and to learn an extra minute, and to give an extra penny to tzedakah, that sacrifice you own, that's yours. And that's what we offer to Hashem. And that's what Hashem finds so pleasing. What was Yitzhak's name? Yitzhak's name was tzichayik Asali Alakim. laughter. What is laughter? Where does laughter come from? Entertainment, entertainment business. Maybe that's why Jews are so predominant in the entertainment business. Yitzchak like laughter humor why we so why does Hashem find us so entertaining and especially Yitzchak that was his name because this is Hashem's entertainment what moves Hashem what touches Hashem like nothing else it's sacrifice because it's unnatural the way of the world is a natural way of the world is Hashem gives And we receive. That's normal. Hashem is the creator. Hashem has everything. He has all the cards. We have nothing. And He gives us everything. He creates us. He sustains us. He gives us. And we acknowledge. And we're thankful. And we're grateful. And that's normal. That's natural. That's to be expected. What's unnatural is that we become givers. We become a source and we give to Hashem. That is something completely unnatural. That's entertaining to Hashem that we have something to give and we give back to Hashem, this Hashem finds entertaining and we're totally unpredictable. Because sacrifice means going beyond nature. So you can't predict it. It's a human being, a Jew tapping into his divine spark and exercising his true freedom of choice and making a personal choice. When you do something that's difficult for you to do, it's personal. Everything else is just mechanical, technical. It's just a creature of habit, Uh, whether it's environment, whether it's nurture or nature. But you're just a creature of environment. It's It's not the real you. When do you really become a real person? And you do something personal, and the reflection of your soul, which is a reflection of Hashem. And then it's as if the whole universe dissolves and all that exists is you and Hashem person-to-person call, a one-on-one, one-to-one, a personal relation, a personal connection, it's only when you sacrifice. Sacrifice what? It doesn't matter. It's a personal thing. It's a subjective thing. It's everyone on their own level. Whatever you do, no matter how great you are, once you get used to it, then it becomes habitual, it becomes second nature, then it's no longer a sacrifice. Then you can just coast along. An automatic pilot. But any moment, any time, whenever you have to do something that's difficult for you to do, and you have to reach into your neshama, at that moment, at that moment you're real. At that moment you're, you're touching the divine spark inside of you. And you're connecting with Hashem, and you evoke Hashem's laughter. That becomes entertainment, Hashem. That's a novelty. Unpredictable, something, something surprising. That's when Hashem is real to you. Otherwise Hashem is just an abstraction. Hashem is not real. If Hashem doesn't inspire you. And Hashem doesn't challenge you. Doesn't evoke any personal deep response inside of you. Then it's not real. Then Hashem is just an abstraction. A mental abstraction. A spiritual abstraction. A crystal energy. It doesn't mean anything. Yes, you're doing everything that's right, but it's, it's not a reality. If Hashem is real, I should be jumping out of my skin. What am I doing about it? If, if Hashem is truly one and unique, and there's no other reality but Hashem, I should be jumping out of my skin. What am I doing about it? It should challenge me. It should awaken me. It should move me. It should inspire me. It should ignite something inside of me, like a fire. Something has to burn. Something has to give. In order for the fire to burn, something, the wood has to give. If the material doesn't give, if nothing gives, if everything stays the same, you can't burn. No deposit, no return. Something has to give. The material has to sacrifice itself to allow the inner, the neshama, the, the energy to release to the energy. To transform matter into energy, something has to give. If nothing gives in your life, if you don't sacrifice and you don't inconvenience yourself, or you don't do anything that's uncomfortable, and you don't push yourself, and you don't exert yourself, then there's no room for the fire of Hashem, the divine fire inside of us, to, to ignite. Then the dynamite remains there. The, the, we all have the dynamite inside of us, but it remains unignited. It remains potential, hidden potential, a latent spark, but there's no fire. So in order to burn, something has to give. And that's, that's, that's what sacrifice is. So, al Terebi is saying that Yiddishkeit, ultimately it's all about changing, changing your nature. A Jew who studies Torah and Davas praise, and does mitzvah, but he doesn't personalize it, doesn't take it to heart, doesn't change anything in his characteristic or in his nature whether it's dealing with anger or dealing with jealousy or dealing with any issues that we have personally, if it doesn't change anything inside of us, if we don't apply what we're learning and apply the experience, the holiday experience or the Shabbat experience or the prayer, if we don't apply it to our personal life and make a dent in our life, and make a change, that as a result of this I'm going to work on myself, I'm going to polish this diamond in the rough that we all are, I'm going to take this hide, this raw hide of the animal and work with it to make it into something fine and silky and, and smooth. And if I don't change anything in my habit, if I don't change anything, then it's not real. This explains a Talmudic statement that he who serves God refers to one who revises his studies 101 times while he who serves him not refers to one who revises his studies only one hundred times. The Talmud is giving us the test. You want to know if it's real or it's not real? You have a simple test. A hundred times or a hundred and one times. Is everything in your life comfortable, or are you doing anything in your life that's uncomfortable? For the sake of Hashem, is there any sacrifice in your life? Is there any movement forward? Is there any growth? Is there any change? Is there any movement, any inspiration, any movement? Are you personalizing anything, internalizing anything, or it's just abstract? And when Judaism becomes a head trick, divorced, disconnected from realities of human realities of the life, of your personality, your character, your traits, you're working on yourself, working on your personality, working on your characteristic traits, trying to change, trying to become a better person, trying to overcome difficulties. You don't challenge yourself, you're not constantly, continuously challenging yourself and continuously connecting with Hashem in a real way, it's very dangerous. It could lead to the worst. It could lead to a person's downfall. Ultimately it could lead to addiction. So Ivid <inaudible> Hashem, this is the test of a Jew, is sacrificing something for Hashem if a Jew is offering something to Hashem, if a Jew is giving back something to Hashem, if a Jew is really moved by the reality of Hashem, if a Jew is really internalizing the reality of Hashem Echad, that there is no other reality but God, And the way to do that is by doing that 101, going that extra mile. And it's very personal, very subjective. A person who's never run in his life, for him to take 10 steps is already 101. A person who runs every day, runs 10 miles, then 10 miles is a 100. It's when he goes those extra few yards, when he's reached his limit, and he pushes himself. That's when you come alive. That's when your adrenaline really starts pumping. That's when you feel alive. So it's a very personal thing, it's a very subjective thing. Every person is different, and every person every day is different. Yesterday's challenge is today's what yesterday you thought was impossible and you mastered and you overcame and, you, and you, you, master, you overcame this challenge today it's become a second nature it's no longer a challenge now you have to challenge yourself to a higher level so it's a constant challenge and that's the 101 that's the test if a Jew is truly serving Hashem in the present tense if it's a present vibrant reality if Hashem is a, is a true reality in his life and that's what he explains now. For in order to change his habitual nature, he must arouse within himself the love of God by contemplating God's greatness in his mind, in order to master the nature that is in the left part of the heart, the seed of the animal soul, which is full of the blood of the animal soul originating in Kalipa. Whence comes this nature? And the power of his love enables him to transcend his nature. So the only reason why a Jew drew overcomes his nature is only out of love for Hashem. Why are you doing this? He's not doing it for fun. It's difficult. It's a challenge. Why are you doing this? Why would a Jew push himself and give that extra penny to Tzedakah? Why would a Jew push himself and study that extra minute of Torah? Why would a Jew push himself and come an extra morning to Daven in the Koil? Why would a Jew push himself to do anything extra? Why? Why are you overcoming your negative habits? dealing with your anger, dealing with your arrogance, dealing with your laziness, or dealing with your negative challenges, or even overcoming positive habits. Why are you pushing yourself to do something that's difficult for you to do? You're only doing it out of love for Hashem. If you don't love Hashem, why are you doing this? It's only because you have a relationship with Hashem. You want to serve Hashem. You want to serve Hashem. You want to give Hashem something. You know that this is what Hashem finds and ent- this is Hashem's entertainment. This is what Hashem- this is Hashem's pleasure. This is what moves Hashem. Hashem is not moved. When a Jew serves Hashem naturally, Hashem is not too excited. <laughs> doesn't doesn't excite him. Doesn't excite him. What excites him is when a Jew overcomes a difficulty. That's what excites him. The heavens doesn't excite Hashem. It's this world that's so precious to Hashem. Like the Rebbe once explained, he said the difference between the difference between Hashem, the angels serving Hashem and a human being serving Hashem. He says like a difference between a a photograph and a portrait. He says, why is it that a photograph, people pay pennies for a photograph? a portrait people will pay what was it it sold for the most money uh, for a portrait recently a hundred, over 100 million dollars a portrait people are ready to pay millions of dollars a photograph is more accurate it's a perfect replica portraits are really perfect portraits are, and yet the photograph is worthless worth a, very little value and that a portrait why Because a photograph is a machine. You just copy it. What's the big deal? It's perfect, but it's a dime a dozen. A portrait was made by an artist. An artist with a personality, with an ego, that had challenges. He's pouring his heart, his soul, his experiences into that painting. That's what's so precious. The Rebbe says that's the difference between an angel and a human being. Angels are pictures, perfect replicas. That billion, a zillion, infinite angels. What's their worth, Hashem? Worth a penny. We in this world we're portraits. Every time a Jew wakes up, wakes himself up spiritually. And every time a Jew lifts himself up and does a mitzvah and pushes himself and studies Torah and pushes himself to do kind, to be kind, instead of being arrogant, instead of being angry, instead of being jealous, instead of being lustful, a Jew does the right thing and overcomes his nature, overcomes his instincts, rises above nature. And acts in a heroic way, and sacrifices himself, and does something. Hashem, this is this is so precious. This is a portrait. This has infinite value, infinite value. You know, it's like the story, the famous uh, parable of Rabbi Levi Yitzchak Why we blow the shofar in Rosh Hashanah? So one of the reasons he gave a parable. is a king got lost in the forest. And the more he went to search for, his, for his, his, his team, he got lost and they couldn't find him. He's wandering in the forest for days. You know, he, Since he grew up as a prince, he was spoiled. He's never left the palace. Here he is wandering alone in the forest. He's never been alone amongst wild animals. Anyway, a few days later, he miraculously survives. He's in, and he sees a little house, a little hut. He sees a light. He knocks on the door. He says, please, you have to help me. I'm the king. The, hot, the, hot, the owner looks, takes one look at the king; he's the king, and I'm the queen of England. <laughs> the king's, <our>, king's wondering <laughs> that he looks like looks like a, <laughs> a chaya, looks like an animal by now, disheveled, half insane. You know? Okay, the king, sure, your highness, come in. You know, he plays along with the guy who's starving and needs help. He brings him in. He says, "Listen, I don't have much, but whatever I have, I'll share with you." So uh, he takes out some. He takes off his clothes. He lies him out with some straw. In front of the fireplace, he gives him some hard bread that he has. The next morning, the king wakes up refreshed. He says, listen, you saved my life. If I would have been out in the the forest another night, (laughs) I wouldn't have made it. I can't thank you enough. Believe me, when I come back to the palace, I'm going to reward you. I said, sure, yes. Yes, your highness, Yes, your majesty. (laughs) (laughs) He shows him how to get back to the highway. A week later, the royal carriage shows up. Summons him to the palace, and he appoints him as personal minister. He says, let me tell you. I slept every night of my life, I slept in the palace. I had the best food, the best chefs. Trust me. Nothing was as pleasurable as that little straw that you put in front of me, that hard floor, and that cold hard floor you put that straw in, that little fire. And the bread that you gave me was tastier than <laughs> all the chefs. The best meals, best cuisine that the palace could offer. And I'll never forget what you've done to me. and Therefore, I'm going to reward you and make me my minister. And um, many years later, once the king got angry at him, the king was about to behead him, he says, One last request. He says, Do me a favor. I have one request. for you. Wear those clothes again that you wore <laughs> when you first met me. <laughs> And that's the reason why the Jew loves the shoifer because the shoifer is the shoifer at Sinai. Hashem went. It was a wasteland. This world was a wasteland. <coughs> this world was a forest. Hashem went to every nation in the world. Are you going to want to accept the Torah? And he says, why are you kidding? He went to every nation and um, no one accepted it. And then he came to the Jews and he said, "Nasiv and Ishma. So when Rosh Hashanah, when the Jews, Hashem is about to sentence us, we turned to Hashem and say, you know, just let, let's reenact that scene <laughs> and remember why you fell in love with us <laughs> and why you loved us in the first place. But this is, this is life in this world an angel praises Hashem all day and all night it's to be expected, it's natural they can't do otherwise there's no choice involved, there's no, nothing personal it's almost machine-like, it's almost like programmed, like an animal, instinctive but a human being and how could you compare our service to Hashem to an angel we're, we're like a little straw a little hard black bread. We mumble some prayers or we barely understand the meaning of the prayers. But to Hashem, this is more precious. This is more precious. Because in the darkness, imagine the setting. It's in the forest with wild animals, a jungle. And within this jungle, a Jew is doing something selfless and kind, sacrificing, taking money, the ultimate ego symbol, and giving it away. When everyone else is grabbing and taking and hoarding, Doing an act of chesed, doing something selfless, sacrificing himself. Coming to shul and praying to Hashem, talking to Hashem, communicating to Hashem, speaking to Hashem. Studying Hashem's Torah, finding the time and the effort and the energy. To Hashem this is infinitely precious. So This is what Hashem finds pleasure with. This is Hashem's entertainment. It's the sacrifice. It's because it's difficult. Why did Hashem make life so difficult? But th- this is what this world is all about. It's when, when you have this trapping and this setting, and yet despite all of that, we're able to shine a light, to light a candle. You don't appreciate a candle. You don't appreciate light when the sun is shining. But if you're lost in the forest, every drop of light, a drop of water is, is life re- so refreshing. When you have water in abundance, you take it for granted. It's in the absence of water at the smallest light and the, ti- the smallest drop of water suddenly becomes so precious. So that's why the world that we live in, the setting, is yes, we live in a very natural, habitual world. And most people, most people, almost all people, <laughs> live their lives habitually, comfortably. No one likes to go beyond the comfort zone. No one likes to do anything that's difficult to do. We take the path of least resistance. We all have certain biases, certain prejudices, certain instincts, and we all gravitate toward whatever our nature is. Some people are introverted by nature, so they dedicate their life. They read it and they study, they enjoy it. Some people are extroverted by nature. So most people just fit right into their predictable. And when you have this sort of setting, and suddenly you have a struggle, Hashem sees a Jew struggling. Hashem she's a Jew over rising above His nature, acting heroically, going beyond human nature, doing something heroic. When does a Jew see, see the hand of Hashem in your personal life? When could you experience? When you act miraculously. When you act miraculously means when you go beyond your nature, when you change your nature. That's when you see the hand of Hashem in your life. That's when you feel the spirit of Hashem in your life. And that's the only way you can really contact and connect with Hashem. It's the only way that's the point of contact when you go beyond your nature change your nature rise above your nature even positive nature so this is the this is the challenge of Yitziat Mitzrayim to go beyond our limits Mitzrayim means limitation it doesn't necessarily mean negative Mitzarim any limitation even positive holy limitation. it's already a limitation it's natural and the essence of a Jew is really about our whole being is miraculous Isaac, Yitzchak the very first born Jew was miraculous. Broke every law in the book. Born to a 90-year-old mother and a 100-year-old father. And it's been uphill ever since. Our entire survival is miraculous. Our entire existence is miraculous. Our birth as a people, the exodus is miraculous. 40 years in the desert was miraculous. The Jewish lifestyle is miraculous. To live in this world that we live in and to live by the Torah, to live up to the morality and ethics and spiritual standards of the Torah, while having your feet firmly planted in this world and being a practical, down-to-earth person, and being a successful person, and at the same time, living by the Torah is miraculous. Nothing short of miraculous. There's nothing natural about it. It's all about rising above your nature, changing your nature, and constant challenge. And this is when we come alive. This is when we make contact with Hashem. This is the whole purpose of creation, if a Jew remembers that. This is this is what Hashem is waiting for. This is what gives Hashem infinite pleasure. And a Jew has it because we have a love for Hashem. We care about Hashem. We want to put a smile on Hashem's face. We want Hashem. We want to excite Hashem. Can you imagine? We can do something, as insignificant as we are, as tiny, as puny as we are. We can do something. that Cause Hashem to smile, to laugh, to entertain Hashem, to give Hashem real pleasure, genuine pleasure. The angels can't do it no one in the universe we are the only ones in the entire universe they have the ability to give Hashem pleasure to move Hashem it's one thing to be moved by Hashem but to move Hashem now that's that's powerful and the only way we can move Hashem we can move Hashem to tears the only way we can move Hashem is when we sacrifice when we do something that's difficult for us today. that moves Hashem no end that gives Hashem such pleasure we can't even begin to fathom. Who says Hashem wants our nirvana? Nirvana is not a, is not a Jewish concept. Nirvana, peace of mind. <laughs> Who says Hashem wants our nirvana? In the grave you'll have nirvana. While we're alive, life is a struggle. Life is aveda. Life, a man was created to struggle. That's the reality. It's not a, a punishment. Before Adam sinned, it says God created Adam in Ganadin to work. Work is not a punishment. Because it's only when we work, when we struggle, that we truly, truly own something, we truly feel alive. The Zohar says when something is given to us on a, on a, on a platter, on a silver platter, it's called bread of shame. In heaven, all the revelations and all the ex- godly experiences that the soul experiences in a disembodied body in heaven before the soul is born... It's bread of shame. It's like everything is handed to you on a silver platter. A person who has no difficulties, no negative habits, no challenges, just coasts along, it's bread of shame. It's when a Jew struggles and a Jew has to choose and a Jew, that you earn it, you earn it. The Talmud says a person would rather have one measure that you own, that you earn, rather than nine measures of something that's given to you free. Because it doesn't give you pleasure. It's only something that you sacrifice that gives you pleasure, that you own. It's personal, individual. So this is the whole purpose of creation. The whole purpose of creation is that when we overcome the struggle and overcome the difficulty... Kabbalah and the Psychology of the Soul, taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky.